You're listening to Manx Radio, and I'm Judith Lay, welcoming you to the podcast of the Manx Sky at Night with Howard Parkin. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And the familiar strains of our opening music remind us that it is time once again to welcome Howard Parkin into the studio for this month's edition of the Manx Sky at Night. Faster my Howard and welcome. Faster my Judith, it's great to be here again. Well, let's start off with a word of apology, a huge word of apology from me because we missed out on a whole month's programme on account of me getting Covid at the wrong time. Howard, I'm really sorry about that because I know how much your programme is enjoyed. That means we've got four times as much stuff to talk about tonight, Absolutely. isn't it? Well, let's start, as we always do, looking at local things. What is particularly interesting that's happening or going to be happening in the sky around the island in the coming weeks? Well, we've got the lights are getting uh, lighter, of course, every Every night we're getting lighter and lighter. And of course, by the time we get to the end of April, which is only a week's time, and of course into May, it won't be long before we don't even get beyond what we call astronomical twilight, which starts from the middle of May. Um, But until then, it doesn't mean we can't look in the sky and still be amazed at what we see. The winter constellations have now pretty well set in the west. There's some wonderful pictures on Facebook. If anyone looks on Facebook, some people have been taking some great pictures. I've always regarded the winter constellations as things you look at in winter. Obviously, the clue is in the name. But as they, they move slowly across the sky and they set in the west in late spring or early late spring, um, you get some great shots with Peel Castle in the foreground and the bright star Sirius on the horizon and the stars of Orion up to his right. And I'd never thought of it that way before, but then I saw these photographs that I think it was James Brew put on Facebook. Fantastic pictures. And indeed, someone asked me the other day, about two weeks ago actually, what was that bright star on the western horizon? Was it the planet Venus? I says, no, it's Sirius, which is, of course, the last of the winter stars setting in the west. And like me, they hadn't realised that the winter stars are so dominant at this time of the year on the western horizon. But as we go after that... Um, We haven't got anything like the bright stars of winter, which, as I say, are setting in the west. But we have got three very bright stars in the sky. And two of them are very easy to find. And we'll come back to talk about them in a minute. Because if you look for the plough, the plough is pretty well overhead now. In the springtime, it's overhead. And if you follow the handle of the plough down, you come to a star called Arcturus. And you then follow that line even further down to the southeast horizon, you come to the star Spica in the constellation of Virgo. And the reason I talk about those two, um, Arcturus and Spica are what we call first magnitude stars, or some of the brightest stars in the sky. But there's a lovely story about Arcturus from 1895. They had a great expo in Chicago, and they wanted to do something special. So they used the light of the star Arcturus to light up the photocells, to light up the exhibition. And because they knew it was 40 light years away, and they'd done something 40 years previously. And so they did this. And we've since found out that Arcturus is 37 light years away, so they got it wrong by three years. But what a wonderful story. And I thought, they don't do anything like that now, but it's just a great little story. And that star we see quite prominently in our sky. And indeed, next month, a bit of a taster for you, next month we'll be talking at length about Arcturus because there's a possibility at the end of May of a meteor storm. And I'll be talking about that next month. 
a meteor storm. Yeah. Now, that's not something that we mention very often. No, in fact, I can't think of another occasion when we've talked no, about it. No, maybe the Persids in 2015 there was almost a meteor storm, but this is a potential. I'm not promising it will be, but just a bit of a, a heads up. There's a comet called Schwashman Washman 3. Try saying that when you've had a few shandies. And um, it's breaking up. And as it's breaking up, we're passing through its debris field at the end of May. So we'll talk about that in a bit more detail uh, when we get to the end of May. Because we missed the Lyrid shower. The Lyrid shower, which occurred uh, only last week, and it wasn't that spectacular. It doesn't tend to be the Lyrid shower. But this one, which comes, it's called the Herculid meteor shower. Uh, but it's actually got its radiant point in the constellation of Boertes the Herdsman, the principal star of which is Arcturus, we mentioned a moment ago. So we've got that to look forward to in our next programme. Exactly. But coming a little closer to where we are now, about the middle of this month, well, the middle of May, about round about the 16th, something mm-hmm. like that, chance of a lunar eclipse. We have indeed. Now, for those who want to see the lunar eclipse, it's going to have to, you're going to have to get up at three o'clock in the morning uh, because, unfortunately, it, it is at its best at three o'clock in the morning. It starts at 28 minutes past three and it peaks at 12 minutes past five and then finishes totally at about five to seven in the morning, which, of course, will be broad daylight by then. But around three o'clock, the moon will slowly start to turn red. It's a full lunar eclipse. It's not a partial lunar eclipse, so the moon will go totally red. It is, of course, at the time of a full moon. The full moon does take place on the 16th of May, which is, what, three weeks off? And um, will be worth getting up for to have a look. It goes red, not because of any wonderful um, effect that uh, is just pretty or beautiful, which it is beautiful and pretty, but red light is not refracted as much as blue light. The blue light and the red, the the yellow and the green are all absorbed by the Earth's atmosphere, but the red light penetrates to the moon and gives it this lovely red colour. People compare it sometimes to seeing the moon at dawn or dusk, but this is when the moon is quite high in the sky. So well worth getting up for if you're around at that sort of time at night. Five o'clock-ish, it'll be mid-eclipse, 12 minutes past five, so you don't have to get up that early. You can get up at five o'clock and give yourself a view. Worth just having a look, because it can be quite spectacular. And if you get the chance to do that, of course, the other thing we need to talk about is the planets, because the planets, they've all ganged up on us. They're all ganged up on the eastern side of the sky. They're all around before sunrise. And some spectacular planetary conjunctions taking place. We've got one in particular. We've got the planet Jupiter and the planet Venus, which are going to be very close to each other, roughly on the 25th of April. The full moon, for those who want to know the technical details, the full moon is 30 arc seconds in diameter, half a degree. This conjunction of Venus, the very, very bright Venus with the quite bright Jupiter, is 19 arc seconds, so very, very close together, unmistakable in the dawn sky and before sunrise. And they're going to do the same again at the end of May. In fact, as we get towards May and indeed into June, we're going to have in the morning sky the spectacle of the moon passing slowly past Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Venus and Mercury in order each month between May and um, June. So well worth looking out for. No planets in the evening sky whatsoever, other than Mercury puts in a very brief appearance at the end of April, but all the planets in the morning sky, and as I say, Jupiter and Venus together, really quite spectacular, and that will be worth looking out for. So when you're looking for the lunar eclipse on May the 16th, um, they will still be quite close together as well, so it's worth getting up for that morning. All I can't do, of course, and no notes or anything will do any good about that, 
his promise is going to be clear. Yeah. But didn't we have some wonderful skies the last few weeks? Oh, We've yes. had some beautiful skies and it's been yeah. crystal clear. And sometimes we get a beautiful night sky when we've had perhaps quite an indifferent day. Yes, indeed. Just about mid-evening, sort of Yeah, the clouds just seem to lift and we get this lovely clear sky. Yes. And let's be honest... Yes, us astronomers love going out in the darks of winter and the frost on the ground and snow and all that and looking at the stars when they are at their best when it's cold. But at this time of the year, if you get, it's not quite as cold. And uh, we do get some spectacular views. And spring does tend to be a good time for stargazing. So if you can't sleep, just put your head out the window. But remember the golden rule. Don't just look up and say, oh, there's nothing there because you need to get your eyes time to get used to the air dark. Yes. Red lights aren't so bad, but white lights are a killer. Right, I've got a couple of other local things that I would love to talk about. Go on. Um, first of all, the Isle of Man Astronomical Society Observatory. Is there a story there for us, Howard? There is indeed. In fact, uh, I did a story for the um, news a few weeks ago. And, but the observatory, for those who know where the observatory is, and you can't miss it if you're anywhere near Foxdale, is completely shrouded in scaffolding at the moment. Um, we have a, a major technical problem with the observatory. Uh, the shutter's broken and we've had to put scaffolding around it to fix it. Uh, it's quite an intense job. It's quite an expensive job. And um, it will hopefully be fixed before we get to the next major observing season, which is September onwards. Uh, but thanks to a lot of the members' expert ingenuity and some generous help from some people, uh, we've managed to get the scaffolding up now. And hopefully the work will be starting, if it hasn't already started, to get it fixed. Um, at this point, I would make a, a general plea if anybody is interested in the observatory. Uh, yes, we're closed at the moment. We can't open to the public at the moment. We are still having our monthly meetings on the first Thursday of every month. Uh, those are still available, but the restrictions at the observatory, the scaffolding is making it difficult. Well, we don't go into the dome. The dome is closed. The telescope has been removed from the dome um, because we're going to get that serviced at the same time. We're having a major cash flow problem at the moment. We've just about got the funds to do it. So if anyone's interested in helping us and the means of uh, funding or joining the society or corporate sponsorship, anything like that, we are prepared to listen to anything um, because it's, it's a huge problem. There's nothing wrong with the telescope, I'm pleased to say. The major instrument, which is the uh, the item that, as I say, we've removed at the moment, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the actual door we open, the slit in the dome. Uh, basically corrosion. It's been 20 years, it's been given us good service, but after 20 years, one of the rollers completely snapped off, actually. We couldn't access it for um, to grease it or anything, which is a problem we're going to do something about. We're going to make it accessible now. The repairer is going to make it that we can grease it and oil it regularly. Um, but um, it's, it's a problem, and it's caused us no end of problems. Uh, we've had to cancel various um, event bright nights. We we're going to have open nights there, which are a great source of not just entertainment for the Manx public to go and see what we do and uh, but we also use them as a fundraising gear. We've had to cancel all of the ones we were going to do early this year so hopefully we're starting them again in September. So if anyone's interested please get in touch with any of us at the Animal Astronomical Society through myself or look on the website. Clearly it's something that's to do with fair wear and tear. It is and it's just, uh, it's just 20 odd years. We opened it in 2020. It was built in 1999-2000 so it's 22 years old now yeah. and um, thanks to the generosity of help, a, a certain person who helped us do it. Uh, Colin Hill lives in New Zealand now. Without that, we wouldn't have the observatory, and uh, we look forward to it being fully operational and welcome people there in the very near future. Including, I must say, Judith, one of the things that was discussed a few weeks ago was inviting Manx Radio to come along and uh, maybe doing a broadcast from there. I would love to do that. Well, Actually, an open invitation. That we well, can. thank you. The answer is yes. Invite, right. invite me. I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there. Promise the weather, though. I'll the be there with my microphone. 
moving swiftly on. There is an, something else happening in May that I'm I'm hoping might be a stargazing opportunity for both of us. Yes. And it's the, the night at the cathedral. Now, mm-hmm. the cathedral in Peel is joining with cathedrals all around Europe for a night... Uh, we're literally where that the the cathedral is opened to everybody with a particular theme, and the theme is light. And you have been invited to do some stargazing as part of this, and Indeed. there'll be there will be music, there will be a sonnet lumiere show outside the cathedral. And the best that I can say is save the date, Saturday the fourteenth of May. It's the cathedral in Peel, and it's going to be a fantastic night of light, starting in the late afternoon and going on. You're going to be talking, but also in the gardens in the cathedral, there is a um, a star gazing pit that has been created where you can sit and, and relax and lie back and look at the sky. It's been particularly created. So I'm hoping that given the right conditions, we might do a little bit of stargazing that we can record try at any time. and bring into the programme. It would be nice because obviously I can use my laser and point out the various features in the sky. It will be quite light, unfortunately, but the bright stars, the ones I've just mentioned before, Spica and Arcturus, they'll be around and the plough will be overhead. So fingers crossed for decent weather. And uh, as, as you say, make a note of the date and I'll be talking about the origins of stars, the origins of the universe is the subject of my talk. You'll be doing the We Are Stardust. We Are Stardust again, that's the one. Well, save the date the 14th of May Indeed. and we'll give you more details nearer the time 14th of May and the venue of course is the Cathedral in Peel I cannot believe that we've been doing this programme for a long time and have not played Frank Sinatra's Fly Me to the Moon I couldn't believe it myself when we were looking for the song I thought how appropriate we need to play that immediately Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you.
you. Frank Sinatra, fly me to the moon. So who, Howard Parkin, is flying to the moon in the next well, weeks? Um, they had the what they call the wet test of the new SLS launch rocket, which is going to the, the brand new NASA launch vehicle, which is going to be sending the Artemis One mission unmanned to the moon very soon. They said it could be as early as June um, or even late May. They had, they had the test of it in April and um, everything is now, I believe, they've sorted all the minor problems out. It's a brand new launch vehicle, brand new space capsule, the Orion. They're launching it all the way in, into, into orbit. Then it's going to the moon and coming back down again. And the next mission, which will be in probably 2023 or early 24, I suspect it'll be early 24, is going to take men and women. They haven't announced the flight crew yet, uh, which will go to the moon and back, uh, not landing but coming straight back again, just like Apollo 8 did in 1968. And then the next mission, the Artemis 3 mission, which is scheduled at the moment for late 25, early 26, will return American people to the moon. And uh, that will be, uh, if you like, the first visit back to the moon since 1972. Very, very exciting. So, as I say, thinking about that and the fact that this rocket is sitting on the launch pad now at Cape Kennedy, um, it had to be Frank Sinatra, whose record, of course, was played on Apollo 8 when they went to the moon in 1968. So what else? What other big space well, story? I was saying this only the other day about when I'm doing my night school teaching, which runs from September to about March time. I keep well abreast of the information going on in spaceflight. I'm doing it literally on a daily basis, just watching the news. But then when I stop teaching it, I sort of take my eye off the ball a little bit. And then every month I come and talk to you and I've got to remember everything again. And I just can't keep pace with the amount of stories that are going on, Judith. In particular, we've just had the Axiom mission, the Axiom mission which launched in early April. They've come back now. Um, this mission was the first of a series of missions this company, Axiom, are doing. They're building a private space station. They're building this private space station. They're attaching it to the International Space Station. And when the International Space Station reaches the end of its, 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 its shelf life, if you like, they're going to detach this observatory or this um, space station from it and we'll have a f private independent space station which people can go up to and visit uh, for scientific reasons, for tourism reasons, for whatever. And the commercial spaceflight program really is absolutely buoyant at the moment. We've got Axiom, which was the first mission to the International Space Station. We had the mission um, end of last year where the, uh, the four astronauts, whose names I've forgotten, Jared Isaacman and his team, they went up into space, went further into orbit than anyone had been since the Gemini missions all those years ago. Um, we've got SpaceX launching on a regular basis with their Dragon spacecraft. We've got Boeing about to start launching their Starliner spacecraft, which is meant to be paralleling Dragon, but they've had problems. You've got Virgin going along, and there's all sorts of things going on, and it, it's a struggle to keep pace with it. And then, out of the blue, Amazon. Now, Amazon is run by Jeff Bezos, and Jeff Bezos runs Blue Origin Space Company, which is the other one I forgot to mention, who did another mission in April as well. Jeff Bezos runs Amazon, and his arch enemy or arch rival is Elon Musk of SpaceX. They've just come together and signed the biggest ever satellite launch contract ever for Amazon to launch a series of spacecraft, the Kuiper family of satellites, which is going to be, I suspect it's not going to be a competitor with SpaceX. They're going to work together, I think. And this is to provide internet access to everybody throughout the world um, at low cost anywhere in the world. Because one of the, you'll know this from, or I'll know this from my cruising days, one of the big problems of um, internet access on ships is, of course, you're not over, you've got no sky above, you've only got sky above you, uh, no land anywhere, so they can't reach them. So one of the 
big growth industries of the satellite industry is to provide internet access for shipping, maritime purposes. Not just for likes of people cruising on cruise ships and, uh, and that sort of stuff, but for commercial shipping. And it's just the amount of stuff going on in space. It really is a huge industry. And when we talk about um, mining the asteroids, believe it or not, there are companies now setting up with a view. We talk about rhodium and mercury and platinum and vanadium and all these elements which are very rare on Earth. They exist in profusion in the asteroid belt. And there's serious talk about mining the asteroids. And in the meantime, I can't keep pace with it, Judith. <laughs> well, actually, Howard, I think you do a fantastic job to keep pace with it. But what strikes me, and I think uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, and, and uh, uh, you've, you've touched on it there, surely we're only going to really make the most of this if everybody gets together. Yeah. If there's too much individuality, surely that's going to end up working against. Couldn't agree more. And that's why I'm so pleased that these two have been rivals. Mm. I think, to be fair, they're friendly rivals. They they had a, a jib at each other because SpaceX mm. obviously won the first commercial contract and got men into space again, mm. uh, men and women into space again, long before Bezos launched his Blue Origins. Mm. And they've got Virgin Galactic as well. But there's a lovely parallel to all this, Judith, because if we work together, we do things well. And sadly, there's a case now of something that's gone seriously wrong. I'm talking about the Ukraine conflict, of course, um, which has caused no end of problems, but it's caused a major problem in space as well. The Russians are threatening to withdraw some of their support for the ISS. But more importantly, from an exploration point of view, the Europeans have a space rover, a rover called the Rosalind Franklin rover, which was due to go to Mars in 2020. It was launching on a Russian rocket to Mars in 2020. If you may recall, we had three other missions went to Mars in 2020, all very successful. ExoMars was delayed because of COVID, um, and they were going to launch it in October 22. That was the plan up until about two months ago, when the, before the Ukraine invasion took place. And now it is postponed indefinitely. Um, I understand the Europeans are looking frantically to see if they can launch it on a um, uh, European rocket in Ariane from French Guiana on a NASA rocket out of Kennedy or Vandenberg or even the Chinese or even the Indians or hopefully things will get back to normal sometime in the not too distant future and they can resurrect it but this spacecraft was built in about 2018-2019 for launch in 2020 we've now delayed it to at least 2024 possibly 26 you can only go to Mars every two years Memories of the Hubble Space Telescope was put into cold storage or in storage for about five years after the Challenger disaster. When they launched it, they had a huge problem with it. And I just pray that's not going to happen to the ExoMars mission, which was so exciting and so dramatic and politics, unfortunately, not cooperating to go back to what we were talking about. The, the lack of cooperation between nations would lead to conflicts, which is terrible, and it's a, it's a subject we won't talk about normally, um, but has led to this delay, which could have major consequences. How many careers, how many dollars, how many pounds, whatever, have been absorbed in that mission, which um, I do worry if it'll ever get off the ground now, to be frank. And that's that is a dreadful thing to say on on every level. It's just it because is. every every single person loses in in yeah, that. There is no winners, no but winners it, at all. No winners, and and this this is not really about being victorious. It's a collective effort yeah. that's going to move us forward in a productive way, and we've somehow got to try and get yeah, that back. Exactly. On it's, all walks of life, I'm afraid, are affected by conflict, and the yeah. And As I say, I'm not belittling um, or, or making space out to be the most important aspect of that. It's not. It's, it's no. one part of you, a major conflict which is causing grief and suffering to so many people. Yeah. 
we cannot we cannot conclude a program and i regret to say that, that it, we're almost going to get beaten by the clock we cannot cannot leave a program without mentioning our friend james webb of course not how's the uh, telescope doing fantastic judith it is absolutely amazing i know it's a few weeks old now but they took a picture at the end of february i might have mentioned it last time we we spoke and this picture everyone said oh that's a load of rubbish and it was a picture of 18 dots and that was a first image from Hubble, one of the first images. And everyone thought, who didn't know about it said, that's not particularly good, it's not the best they can do. That was the most dramatic picture out because what they'd done, they'd focused the telescope roughly on one star, near the plough incidentally, and each of the elements of the mirror managed to get an image of this star. Even though they took, the telescope wasn't fully focused, they were hoping to get 75%. In other words, 75% of 18, what about 14 images? They got all 18 mirrors were able to produce an image. Since then, and look it up on the internet, please listeners, do look it up on the internet, just put first image from Hubble. They've now given us a picture of that star in perfect focus. This star is a relatively bright star compared to what they're going to be looking for. And there's this beautiful star in the middle of the picture. But don't look at the star, look behind it. There are galaxies behind it, which they didn't even think they would get that sort of resolution so early on. And only a few weeks ago, literally, I think it was the 10th of April, they announced that the telescope is now at the operating temperature. It's got to be very, very cold to operate properly. The telescope is now at the operating temperature. They've sorted out the focus. They're saying by the end of June they will have some really spectacular images for us. And I, for one, can't wait. Very, very exciting. In the last couple of moments, I think you've got an event in Neabel, haven't yes, you? Yes, I have indeed. Indeed, the day before the Cathedral uh, Festival of Light uh, at Neabel, I'm doing a talk for them at Neabel. Um, I'm going to be talking about the hunt for alien life uh, at Neabel on the evening of Friday the 13th. Uh, but if anyone's interested at all, get in touch with Neabel. I'm sure they'd love to see you there. And I would love to see you there or indeed at the Cathedral. And that's a dinner. It's a, a dinner and a talk at Neabel. Yes, indeed. Book by contacting Neabel. Yes. The cathedral will be a free event. Yes, it, it will is just indeed. be a question of finding out all the times and the various things on offer and just coming along and having a wonderful time with this night of light. And finally, finally, did you get to meet Tim Peake and was he pleased to meet you? I'm delighted to say I was. We were very flattered to get to meet him. We met him after the show. I went on the afternoon with a, uh, about 15 of us from various astronomical connections. And he was such a lovely bloke. He was so friendly, so chatty. We had hoped to get him to the observatory. Uh, he said he'll come another time. and uh, But he was so approachable, so chatty. And, you know, I'm nothing against American astronauts for one minute, but to have a British guy talking about space was just so enlightening. He was, he was the boy next door. He showed a picture of him with his, with his arm around his sister in the family car when he was 10. And there he is up in space showing these wonderful images. And, you know, the people who went to the, um, the talks, uh, there were people in space suits, kids in spacesuits and all sorts. It really was a great event. And uh, if you get chance to see him somewhere else in the British Isles, I recommend it. Howard Parkin, as always, we have been beaten by the clock. Lovely to have you in the studio, Howard. My we pleasure. look forward to welcoming you back on the final Sunday in the month of May. In the meantime, faster my Howard. Faster my Judith. Sweet.